Portions of this podcast may not be suitable for children. It's real-life stories and sometimes PG-13. A man who lives right and is right has more power in his silence than another has by his words. Philip Brooks You're listening to the Think Twice TV podcast. Hear true life stories, portable insight, and engaging messages. On this show, we'll think twice about life, faith, and just what could be possible when the two are combined. Broadcasting from the beautiful Great Lakes state of pure Michigan, here's your host, Dan Henderson. Hey, thanks for joining us on the Think Twice TV podcast. Today we have three stories from men who at one point in time would have been called thugs, gangbangers, or criminals. Today's show is entitled From Criminal to Christian. My brother once explained to one of my young sons that Jesus can take a bad guy and change him into a good guy. Our first story from native Detroiter David Michael is just that simple, from bad to good, leaving prison for purpose. Um, my name is David Michael and I'm from Detroit, Michigan. You know, I really grew up in a, in a you know, broken home um, in Madison Heights until I was about 11 years old. Um, really just searching and trying to find my way through life. Um, I really was a big troublemaker. I got into a lot of trouble even at a young age. Um, I think first time I even visited Juvie, I was in like, I was probably 11, 12 years old. Slowly but surely, I just really headed down the wrong path. I was back in juvie at age 13, stayed in there till about 15. Really just was living this, this broken life. I was, you know, breaking into houses. I was uh, stealing, robbing people, um, you know, stealing guns, you know, um, you know, selling, you know, small time drugs and, you know, like marijuana, things of that nature. Um, pretty much at that age um, and, you know, fighting all kind of things and I remember at one point I was trying to I was literally trying to get locked up my dad was never there to really give me that affirmation as a man so I began seeking that attention from other things um, and plus I like to just get into trouble like it was fun and exciting back in 2006 I was literally incarcerated for attempted murder now at that time my lifestyle really consisted of like almost probably 90% crime. I had my hands on a lot of stuff uh, by that time because I had really been institutionalized. And even my thinking process was institutionalized. I felt like I was never going to shake the system. I really didn't think I could be rehabilitated. Uh, I had a brother sell me a fake, a fake Rolex and I was into some people some money. Um, we were doing some transactions and things of that nature with, with drugs. So at that point I took uh, the Rolex from one of my friends um, for collateral and it was almost like a sign of hey money's coming back turns out it was a fake Rolex the guy who sold me the watch was getting belligerent like yelling and meanwhile this is my mama's house and I'm like you're gonna shut up like you're gonna really tone it down and it got to the point where it was so bad I literally was like that's it and all this rage and hate uh, rose up in me. I really kind of just drug him out the house with my friend. And at that point, um, it got kind of really hazy because it was like a blackout situation. We just got into a scuffle outside and I ended up just, just stabbing him and kind of really just gutting him in the front yard, which was just horrible. And um, we ended up kind of like, you know, stomping him out after that. And it was really just a bad situation. So. Um, Really, that's what landed me in jail. And I'm just sitting there in this jail cell. And I remember thinking, you know, David, you, you did it this time. Like, 
there's no coming back from this. Um, my sentence guidelines were like five to 25 years. So really I was, again, you know, left, broken, you know, hopeless. And this time it was in a cell and probably for good. And I remember sitting there, you know, in a nine by five cell, it was 23 hour lockdown, it was max security. And um, I remember just sitting there and I got a hold of a Bible and I, I was just sitting like in the corner on the floor. I'm just reading and I'm like, you know, God, if you exist, if, you know, this is real, if, you know, any type of information of church or religion or Jesus or anything I had at that point was very, very small. So I, I began to crying out for truth because I didn't know what reality was anymore. My reality landed me in a jail cell. Really, I started crying out. I really started uh, praying and reading the Bible and was like, God, I need truth. I just, I believe that you can, you can tell me something. You know, I, I think at some point I just was sc screaming at the top of my lungs and just yelling like, God, I need you. Could you please help me? Like not help me get out the jail cell. Just teach me the truth. Just tell me something. So I really got real with myself. I understood that I was a sinful person. I mean, everything I had done was sin. I mean, it was like, that's all I knew. And it was so relieving. It was like this breeze of cool air that fell on me. Like, I don't have to live like this anymore. You mean that this is a lifestyle that I can, I can change this? That, you know, God can take this from me through practical application? And, and really, that's what it did for me. So I really, I really just dedicated my life to the Lord right then and there. I hadn't talked to my lawyer in, in months, hadn't talked to my family. Next day they called me for court, um, which was a turn of events. So it was one of the first turn of events. And I went to court and there was my lawyer and I think my mom and my brother. And they were like, I think my brother and my mom were like crying. And she handed me a plea bargain for this attempted murder charge. They ended up pleading it way down to like a felonious assault with a deadly weapon, which had a different max as far as time and that sort of thing. I ended up was I was on the street in under a year um, after you know a five to twenty five year sentence and it was completely shattered and my heart was like just overwhelmed I couldn't imagine how God could forgive me and say you know you're worth more than this you know and I created you to be more than this and it just it rocked my whole world I couldn't I couldn't fathom you know and um, I got into church and got planted somewhere and got discipled and you know went all the way in I was like man I am all the way in for Jesus that's all that matters now and I'm like God if you just tell me you know what you want me to do I'll do it you know and I began seeking him about music you know because I had ever since you know a young person I really had this music inside of me this sound I wrote this this record called stand strong and it was really one of the most pivotal points in that and he really stamped me after that and it was such a great response from the song and I remember doing it at an open mic and it just it just astounded everybody and I ended up winning the open mic and really what happened was it just turned into this snowball effect so sooner or later I'm getting calls and I'm like Lord is this you are you in this you know and sure enough he was just like put his hand on it and it really just began to accelerate it's just it's incredible you know the way he can take such a wretched person and change them up clean them up and then put them on display for his glory and that's all really this this whole music ministry is about um, really just testifying of the greatness he's done in me um, what he's doing in the world and how people every day are getting raised up cleaned off dusted up and sent out uh, for the real purpose you know and it's so important that you grab life right now right here in this moment we're gonna give you an opportunity to receive Jesus right where you are you know, as simple as it was in, in the jail cell by myself, 
with God's hand on me and the spirit, you know, really leading me and guiding me, drawing me to him. What did it for me was I had to get real and I had to really look at my life and say, there's got to be more. The more is Jesus and I want to offer him to you. It's really just you and God right now where you are. And it's you getting real with the Lord. For me, it meant me just confessing like, man, God, I am wretched. Will you save me? Will you clean me? Will you mold me? Will you shape me into the person that you want me to be? Because I can't do it. You definitely need to get honed in. You need to get with a network of believers so you don't get snuffed out. So you're encouraged and you learn about the great God that we all serve. And I, I pray to God that I hear your testimony someday about what he's doing because he's doing it all across the world. Since being changed, David Michael has begun working in the professional field and started a Christian rap ministry that has been nationally recognized. Listen to his music at davidmichael313.com or check the show notes for links. Our next story is from a friend of mine, Brian. He landed in prison after living a wild life. With no hope and no one to turn to, he said a prayer in his prison cell. Now, for some of us, prayer is an everyday thing, but Brian said that was the first time he'd ever prayed. Sometimes with God, all it takes is one prayer. Let's listen to Brian's story. Prison prayer changes direction. I grew up in Flint, Michigan with my single mother. She was an abusive alcoholic. There was nothing good in my life. At 19, I made a lifetime of bad decisions and it sent me to prison. There, I was in the loneliest, scariest place in my life. Locked down for 23 hours a day, books became my best friend. I came across a book called Will You Die For Me? It was about a man in Charles Manson's cult, and it didn't seem like a Christian book until the end, and there was a salvation prayer. Alone on my knees in that cell, I cried out to God and said the salvation prayer. God heard that prayer. When I got transferred to the place where I was going to serve my time, one of the first people I met handed me a Bible. He was going to be right across the cell from me, and he was a good friend the whole time I served. When I got out, out of the blue, a friend that I hadn't talked to in over three years gave me a call and invited me to youth group. That was another answer to this prayer. But I fell into my old ways with old friends. Shortly after that, I fell flat on my face, and I asked for the opportunity to go to Lansing Teen Challenge a one-year Christian recovery center. There I met and fell in love with God. Eight years after I made that prayer, now I have a loving family, a wonderful wife, and two beautiful kids. I have a steady job, and it's all because God heard that prayer that one lonely day. You know, Brian is still doing well today, working hard, loving his family, and thanking God for it all. His story is available on our website at thinktwicetv.com in video format. Our third story brings us by the way of the Windy City, Chicago. Freddie, like most kids from the inner city, felt immense pressure to either join the local gang or become their prey. Let's listen to Freddie's story. Hi, my name is Freddie Torres. I was born and raised on the streets of Chicago. I always knew about God, but I just chose to turn my back and walk away. At a very young age, at the age of 12, I started getting involved in gangs gangbangers, you know, they always talk to me and try to lead me to believe that I would be rich or make money in the gangs, that they were my brother, that they were my family. But when it really came down to it, you know, I, I believed that lie. I started getting involved, you know, they said they loved me and this and this and that, but uh, that more things came attached to that. 
I found myself being pressured into selling dope. I found myself being pressured into driving with them, doing drive-bys. I find myself pressured into doing things that I knew that were wrong and that could get me a lot of time in jail. At the age of 13 years old, one day I was wearing my gang colors and the police in Chicago, they'll lock you up for wearing gang colors. They grabbed me, they took me to jail. My parents came to get me. There was a youth worker there that told my parents, you know, your son's not gonna make it to the age of 17. And you know, I was just in my rebellion. I just went home with my parents, my dad was angry, he took the key to the house, threw it on the roof. And so I just changed my clothes and I went back out on the strip. As I was approaching the strip, I seen a couple of my homeboys, you know, we did our handshakes, threw our gang signals to each other, and uh, a friend of mine called me to the corner. So I, as I was stepping to the corner, a car came by, and you know, they were about two feet away from me, and they pulled up right behind me as I was in the street still, and I heard them yell out their gang name, and then all of a sudden, dude started shooting. I got shot in my upper left hand shoulder. The doctor told me a couple more inches, I'd have been dead. Um, following this, you know, I just kept on rebelling. I knew that I had to change my life. I just kept rebelling, getting deeper into the gang life, getting deeper into selling dope, getting closer to those who were higher in command in the gangs. Um, I witnessed about five of my friends' murders. Um, you know, you people out there just know that no matter how deep you are, that God can reach in and pull you out. Um, one day, you know, I had got a hit put out on my life for something that I did with my, my homeboys, but somebody that was in the car, he wanted to start talking on the street about it, so it got around that I was involved in it. I was, uh, i say about 17 years old, so they put a hit out on my life. You know, one night I was on a porch, and I was high and drunk, and I just, I always knew there was a God, you know, and I just looked up to God, and I just put my head, I said, God, I had a 357 on me. I was, you know, ready to just, Put down anybody that came at me or you know without hesitation but I looked up and I said God if you can save me you know just save me take me out of this hell because I just was tired of watching my back watching who was coming around the corner so then it came to be that you know I was high on a porch and all of a sudden I looked up and I see my mom coming out of a car so I took my gun and I handed it to one of my friends my mom looked at me and she said Freddie come on let's go we're leaving so I was just in my, you know, I knew that I was going to die any time. I just jumped in the car with my mom. I fell asleep, and I woke up in a different place than Chicago, in a different area. And, uh, you know, from that time forward, God began working in my life. Although, you know, I was still hard-headed. I still wanted to hang around. And, you know, the enemy had me like a magnet, attracting, you know, drug dealers, tr attracting, you know, the gangbanger and just trying to but also God was attracting Christians to come and speak to me about the Lord and to pull me in and pull me into the right way well in the process I chose to keep going the wrong way I kept getting deeper I kept getting in trouble I kept getting in deep trouble with the law I kept getting locked up so many times um, I just had warrants and warrants and the time that it took me 15 years to get in trouble I've been in trouble my whole life only God Almighty Himself pulled me out. You know, the Lord began to speak to my to to my heart. He spoke to me, and He told me, "Freddie, if you just give me a chance, you know, if, if you just believe me, I will prove myself to you." And so, you know, I said, "Yeah, Lord. Well, 
you know, I'll try, you know, you know, and I'll let you in because I was just tired of getting locked up. I had warrants. I had been, you know, running from the law in different states, big cities, you know, all over the United States. And, you know, I was just tired. So, you know, God began dealing with me. And then, you know, he, he, he just kept speaking in my heart, you know. And uh, finally, you know, one day I just decided, you know, I just wanted to stop you know, selling drugs, and, you know, many of my friends had been killed through that, and they had been serving time, much time, you know, 20 years, life, you know, 10, 15 years, and, um, you know, God really saved me from that. I just want to come to you now, and I want to offer you the opportunity that I had, you know. We're not dead yet, but the enemy has a hit out on your life, and he wants to kill you. You know, he wants to kill you and he wants to keep you away from knowing Christ because he knows the minute that you know the reality and the power that God has, there's nothing that he can do to you. And I just want to encourage you, you know, don't give up. If you give your heart to God and you still have issues, you know, with drugs, pornography, you know, gangs, whatever it may be, just come to God with it and he's going to deal with you and he's going to clean you up. And I just encourage you. Um, just keep going. Don't quit. Don't give up. God bless you. Freddie continues to serve the Lord and is working hard to help others in his community. Anyone can count the seeds in an apple, but only God can count the number of apples in a seed. It's time for the absolute basics of the Christian faith from Seedbed.com. Answering those burning questions like who is God, what is salvation, and many more. So, let's take a bite. The Absolute Basics of the Christian Faith Question 1. Who is God? The Trinity is one of the most important theological ideas ever. There's the Father, the Son, and the Spirit existing together in perfect harmony as one God. And because the Trinity is one God, the persons work together in everything they do. In Matthew 28, 19, Jesus says that we are to be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Because the entire Trinity is at work in everything God does and at work in saving us, the whole Trinity has to be named as we are made part of Christ's body through baptism. But it's not just baptism. All throughout the story of Jesus, we see all three persons of the Trinity at work. There's a pattern. The pattern is this. The Father is the source of everything, and he sends the Son into the world in the power of the Spirit. We see this, for instance, in Jesus' birth in Luke chapter 1. By the Holy Spirit, the Son of God is born into the world. The Father sends the Son in the power of the Spirit. We also see this in Jesus' baptism. The Son carries out the mission of the Father in the power of the Spirit. Jesus goes down in the water and ascends, and the Father proclaims his approval of the Son, and the Spirit descends and sends Jesus out into the wilderness and on into ministry. We see this also in Jesus' blessing of his disciples when he ascends. When the Son goes back to the Father, he sends the Spirit to empower us. So we see this in the birth, and the baptism, and the blessing of Jesus. We see this all throughout. The Father is the source and goal of our salvation. Jesus is the way back to the Father, and the Holy Spirit is the power to get there. The Absolute Basics of the Christian Faith from Seedbed.com You're listening to the Think Twice TV podcast. 
Many of the stories you've heard today are available in video format at our website, www.thinktwicetv.com. Find original videos, true life stories, and content to help you grow your faith at thinktwicetv.com. It's time for a bottle of Bill's Wisdom, a short single-serving message of wisdom from our friend, Pastor Bill Leach. Lou Little gained fame as a football coach at Columbia University. Before that, he was at Georgetown in Washington, D.C. One year, there was a youngster on the squad who was not a great football player, but whose personality, he was winsome, everybody liked him, he was a morale booster for the whole team. Little was deeply fond of the boy. He liked the proud way he walked arm in arm with his father around the campus from time to time. And if the team was far enough ahead, Little allowed him to get into the game for maybe the last play or two, the last few moments. One day, about a week before the big finale, a game against arch-rival Fordham, the boy's mother called Little on the phone. My husband died of a heart attack this morning, she said. Will you break the news to my boy? I think he'll take it better from you. Little did what was necessary, and the boy went home sorrowfully. He was back three days later and came straight to Little. Coach, he begged, I, I want to start in the game against Fordham. I think it's what my father would have liked most. Little hesitated, then agreed. Okay, son, he said, you'll start, but you'll only be in there for a few plays. You aren't good enough, and we both know it. True to his word, Little started the boy, but never took him out. For 60 full jarring minutes, he played inspired football, running, blocking, and passing like an All-American, sparking his team to victory. Later in the clubhouse, Little threw his arms around the boy's shoulder and said, Son, you were terrific today. You stayed out there because you belong there. You never played that kind of football before. What got into you? The boy answered, remember how my father and I used to go arm in arm around the campus. There was something about him most people didn't know. My father was totally blind. This afternoon was the first time he ever saw me play. The Bible says that God is looking for people. He's on the lookout. He's searching for people who will worship him in spirit and in truth. And when he finds those people he inhabits, he lives in, he is literally enthroned on their praises. When we worship and praise God, we are lifted spiritually, Hebrews tells us, into the very throne room of God. But worship is more than activities performed in church. The process of saying to God, I love you, I serve you, you are great, you are holy, you are wonderful. Those activities that ascribe worth to him must be found at the center of our everyday walk, talk, and life. Worship is a lifestyle. 
Learn the basics of the faith. Download our free mini book. It includes the ABCs with God, True and False with the Bible, and much more. To get the mini book free, go to thinktwicetv.com and click on mini book or contact us with your mailing address and we'll mail you a copy. The next episode of the Think Twice TV podcast is entitled Special Delivery, Victory in Life. Chanel's story, a secular rapper brought out of sin and into serving Christ, signed, sealed, and delivered. Eric's story, from down and out to fully delivered, from darkness to life. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time. This venture is sponsored by Media Messengers Evangelistic Association. Revealing the love and power of God through media www.mediamessengers.org If you like the show, follow us on social media and please help us reach more people. All our social links are in the show notes.